1: Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of FL Montreal for our ninth season here on CJD. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. That's right, nine seasons. Can you believe it? Wow. Um, that's that's a lot of a uh, lot of inspiring chats with entrepreneurs over the years, and we've had some great stories. We have, and I'm looking forward to uh, another business that I just happen to frequent once in a while tonight. Mandy's uh, the salad. Uh, Queen of Westmount
2: that's right and some people think oh you've only known Mandy's for a few years but really they've been around for a lot longer than that so looking forward to hearing that story
1: And we'll have our one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur at the end of the show, as usual, plus some HR tips as well. We're going to talk about recruitment with an HR specialist later in the program. Uh, But first, as usual, uh, a chit-chat about uh, entrepreneurial news and notes. And if there's one story over the last couple of weeks that's been dominating headlines in the entrepreneurial world, it's, of course, those tax changes proposed by the federal liberal government. So, Josh, what do you think? Is it uh, a lot of unnecessary outrage from doctors and wealthy entrepreneurs, or is this measure uh, really hampering business activities?
2: First of all, Dan, if, I wish it was only a couple of weeks. This has happened since mid-July, hmm. uh, where Bill Morneau came out and, and made these announcements. And, you know, I we could spend... At least an hour on it, uh, but but I'll kind of give you the the brief reactions. And certainly for small businesses, it's not good. Basically, this is re- these measures are really not good for anybody owning a private business. Uh, and you know, and I and there's articles written all the time on this, but I mean, essentially, you know, I'll, I'll bring kind of four, four main topics that where, where small businesses are really at First of all, these are not small changes. These are not changes that might affect you by a percent or two. These are major tax overhaul. Uh, that is something that, that small businesses who are already taking enough of a risk and already paying a certain amount of taxes and not just income taxes, they're, they're contributing to payroll levies and they're contributing to a whole bunch of things. This is a major hit in addition. To all the risks that they take in their own businesses every day, so that, that's that's certainly one aspect. Second, it's also changes that I think that I think were being rushed. I mean, it was announced July eighteenth. They gave it a seventy-five day consultation period, and after that, like okay, they've they've already written the legislation. They've already they're pushed it through in a summer period. I mean, over half the seventy-five days are in a summer period where there's not many people around. So, also another reason to be a bit of an uproar. Small businesses, 2015 elections—they were promised a, a, a business reduction in their in their taxes, so it came down a little bit. But in 2016, well, lo and behold, no, we're freezing it. We're not going down to the to the actual proposed amount that we spoke about a while back. We're going to stop it at the ten and a half percent, whatever the percent it was, and so we're not going to reduce it from there. And then finally, the language that's being used by the government. Is almost like they're calling small businesses crooks. They're they're almost it's very accusatory. It's like you know are small businesses not paying their fair share of Canadian taxes? Well, come turn around, and say are small businesses contributing to the economy maybe a lot more than some of the other people? So, not to get into all the technical aspects, we'll leave that maybe for for our next show when uh, when we bring Nick on board since uh, he's he's really into that and 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 up in arms no doubt. But there's there's certainly. A lot to be said. I hope not everything goes through, notwithstanding the fact that there is a lot of already written legislation and in a majority government. You never know. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll soon find out. October 2nd is the deadline for that 75-day consultation period. I don't know if they'll extend it. I don't know if they'll repeal some of it. Time will tell. But on, to- on October 2nd, our October 2nd show,
1: we're going to talk about it a little bit more. And it's it's sort of the the climate right now seems to be pretty positive in terms of Canada. So it's a surprising move because you'd think the government would want to sort of do more to empower entrepreneurs and and maybe give them more uh, more of a break. You know there was an there
2: was an article that I was that I was reading up uh, sometime this morning, and it was really about immigrants that were coming here to start a business and choosing Canada. Why? They were ignoring the tax system. They were ignoring you know, ignoring a number of of factors. But they said it was a great environment to work in. There was talent here. There was people here. There was opportunity here. And it's a shame that the tax aspect is going to possibly hamper that. Because as you're saying, we have some, you know, Montreal, look at it, from an AI hub, from a tech hub, from, of course, in the past, uh, a a, a apparel hub. Uh, There is no doubt that there are some great opportunities in Montreal and Quebec and all of Canada. And I just think that this is not going to help the situation.
1: Hmm. Uh, here in local news, um, these shared shared offices, super popular in Montreal. There's all kinds of, they're the big conglomerates. I mean, there's the WeWork uh, that has a few, a few locations down in Montreal. There are smaller companies as well. Um, why do you think this is such a, a hot market in Montreal? I think it's a... It,
2: I think the, the what what I'd like to really say about this article that I read and we work actually chose Montreal before Toronto they're going into Toronto now they're taking up huge space in Toronto I think this is really an eye opener for lessors an eye opener for building owners where these long-term leases for companies might start coming to an end they people might say you know what okay or their space their size of space will come down I I need 20,000 square feet well you know what maybe I need about ten thousand square feet, but I need a little bit of I need of ten thousand transient square feet. I need ten thousand square feet that a I might want to be able to have in other locations that I can sell my wares or my goods and and promote and market myself. I might have people that it's a little closer to home. I might have a, a sometimes it's a more collaborative feel to be around a lot of others, but there's no doubt that. These spaces coming up in Montreal are feeding a need. They're feeding a need of people that want to work and collaborate together and they're feeding a need of being a monthly rent without committing to a long-term lease and having a space to go. This is going to be an, this is if it isn't already an eye opener for lessors and you getting used to these big companies or even small medium-sized businesses taking up a chunk of space for a long period of time.
1: Speaking of the new economy, Airbnb struck a very important and uh, and groundbreaking deal with Quebec on uh, on tax revenue.
2: This is, uh, you know, everybody, a lot of the, I hate to use this term, a lot of the legitimate or the old, uh, you know, business people in, you know, hotel business and taxi business, they always complained about the sharing economy because these people weren't paying their fair share of taxes. They weren't contributing in the same way. It's almost as if they were getting away with something and able to charge a lower fee because of it. Airbnb, has been around uh, one of the longer sharing economies. I, I think this is, this is. I think it's groundbreaking. There's no question. It's got to be a trend. I mean, you saw, we saw Uber in Montreal that they now have to, you know, charge, uh, you know, certain uh, uh, sales tax on it and uh, get in line certainly with some of the taxi companies. Airbnb, they have this 3.5% hotel fee that the government says they're going to kick back into tourism. Hopefully that will happen. Uh, but they've they've come out publicly and said that, so I, I think it's it's really a trend for these sharing communities to really get into compliance with the tax laws that are around. There's only so long that that won't happen for, especially as governments are continuously broke.
1: Donald Trump, uh, making America great again, etc., and he will attack NAFTA soon. Uh, those negotiations are ongoing. And uh, how does this uh, figure for Montreal, especially the the fashion industry in Montreal?
2: Well, NAFTA. NAFTA is in a state of flux completely. I, I don't know how many people are reading up on this and, and how much information there, there really is out there. I, I read a few things on it. And certainly from the, you can, it, this applies to really almost any industry, but in the apparel industry, I read an article recently where NAFTA right now, it's okay to sell goods under the NAFTA arrangement if your raw materials come from elsewhere, but you convert it and you manufacture and you sew the goods here and then move it along the chain. What the potential NAFTA is proposing is that you won't even bring, be able to use raw materials from outside of Canada. We're talking Canada. Raw materials from outside of Canada. That Forget taking away the competitive value of Canada. You're going to eliminate a whole bunch of product because there's only so much that we grow and make here. And that applies to anything. If you want to convert, if you want to make high-tech items where maybe some of the components are outside, so you might have 10, 20, or 30% of the components, but you convert 70% here, That's going to take away a whole market, and that's going to take away Canada's competitive edge in a lot of aspects. Not good. I hope NAFTA is in flux, and and I hope it goes in the right direction.
1: Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD eight hundred, presented by FL Montreal. Coming up next, we're going to chat with Rebecca Wolf of Mandy's Salads, a very popular and growing chain now in Montreal. Actually, it started in Westmount and now uh, a bit all over the city. And we're going to uh, take a sneak peek behind uh, their success story. So that is on the way.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Solar Landau. Chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal. Our ninth season begins tonight here on CJAD 800. Dan Delmar and Josh Miller with you and our guest this evening. Our first guest this season is Rebecca Wolf of Mandy's Salads. Rebecca, welcome to CJD.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: So, first question is the easiest one. Um, tell me about Mandy's, um, and maybe uh, maybe tell me a little, a few secrets. As a client, I'm a, I'm a fan. I like the Mexican salad the best. Awesome. but Tell me how <laughs> yeah, it started and, and and, uh, and where you are, where you're at now.
3: Um, Mandy's is a salad bar chain concept that started in Montreal um, about 13 years ago. Uh, it's my sister and I that run it. Um, a little bit of background: we um, we started in the back of my then boyfriend's shop. Uh, Mimi and Coco. It was a little boutique on Sherbrooke Street in Westmount. Um, I'd been studying in New York at the time. I'd come back. I was doing an art program there. And there was these salad bars on every corner in New York. And when I came back to Montreal, uh, there was nothing like it. And my sister and I loved eating healthy. Um, We were looking for that kind of food here and it didn't exist. And my boyfriend at the time wanted to do more like Italian style panini and coffees in the back of his store. He had a little closet almost in the back. And I convinced him that this salad craze would take off in Montreal and that my sister was really good with food. I know I knew nothing about food and I'm still not the best in the kitchen. So he agreed and Mandy made an amazing menu and we we operated behind a three-foot counter in the back of his store.
2: Now, Mandy is not here today, unfortunately. But was she doing food before? Was she
3: nope. doing preparatory? Where what, nope. what was her Zero. background? Where did she, she come She was from? teaching, actually. Um, she, yeah, we both studied at McGill. Neither of us studied in business or in food. Um, she was just always very talented in the kitchen. We knew she was amazing almost since the minute she could get her hands on any ingredients.
2: <laughs> now, you—you've been there. You were in that location long before. Mandy's in, or you're branched out of outside a clothing store yeah how long, how long were you in kind of the, the back of the store <laughs> until um, you branched out? We
3: were back at the store for many years, and then we opened up our second location. Um, so our first location was 2004, and then we opened up a second location also inside of my husband now's shop, um, Mimi and Coco, four years later, 2008, on Laurier Street. So that was a, a totally new market for us. It was French Montreal. It was also a very community vibe in that area on Laurier, and it took off there as well. So we continued doing that. And then we opened up our first storefront in 2013 um, on Sherbrooke Street in Westmount where, you know, we were already quite known in the community. And we were extremely nervous and we were really scared to open up just one block west of where we were. And we were going to have our first, you know, signage that we were Mandy's on the street. And um, and it worked. It, we were really happy.
2: Did you actually have a name of the place before you opened yes, up the Mandy's? Yes, we started
3: branding it Mandy's first. Um, almost from the beginning we started with these little stickers that we were putting on all of our salad containers um, and that we didn't realize but that was sort of how the brand really started we had all these mariannopolis girls coming in and they would want to buy the stickers and put them on their agendas and even high school you know kids would come in and it was sort of this this cult-like following of these stickers and the brand so that that really helps
2: we'll come back to marketing a moment because i know there's there's a lot to it but just from a location standpoint you're you're in Westmount, you're in the back of a store now you're storefront yeah um how did you did the location find you did you find the location did you say you know what we are ready to actually have storefront
3: yeah it was sort of a confluence of circumstances the lease was over um, in mimi and coco and we were wondering what to do um, we knew that the area had high demand for what we were doing and we figured maybe we can support the rent on our own and it was very you know risk reward situation at the time we were really scared um, to carry the rent by ourselves and we were super grateful day one there was a lot of people that came that block west so
2: now you 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 didn't have business backgrounds i believe that's what you said before yeah, so no. where's the learning curve you know you're signing a new lease you're you're trying to figure out some numbers before is it a steep learning curve? Did you, did you have some help? Uh, how did you kind of get through that?
3: Um, we had wonderful support team around us. Um, my now husband was our landlord for many years because we operate inside of his clothing store. So he was um, amazing with a lot of business advice. We had My parents were around all the time. We had lots of friends and family that would give their advice. But yeah, a lot of it was just learning as we went. We made many mistakes. Um, and I guess really understanding leases and landlords, that was the first learning curve that took place for sure.
1: Rebecca Wolf of Mandy's is here. She is Mandy's sister, co founder of uh, the Salad Bar. Um, you've expanded. You're now on Crescent, I believe. How many locations total?
3: We now have five locations wow. plus a food truck.
1: Excellent. And so making that jump to Crescent, from Westmount to Crescent, was that a bit nerve-wracking to go in that sort of high visibility area?
3: That was super scary. Um, We knew that a large part of our demographic was students, so we chose that location mostly because it was equidistant between Concordia and McGill. And so many of our our biggest fans had been um, CGEP students in Westmount, so we just figured all the graduates would be there, um, and they'll come at least, if no one else. Um, We couldn't afford rent on St. Catherine. We knew that Nespresso was a big draw for a lot of the people um, downtown and we found the spot that was upstairs so it wasn't as expensive on ground floor and we we really took a chance.
2: As you're going through the leases your first lease in in Westmount your second lease on, or next leases in 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 Crescent or on Crescent Street are you learning as as each one goes by you know as as you're as you have to either take more space or as you have to build out and get some tenant inducements how was that? How was that learning process?
3: Yes, um, we worked with an excellent broker for some of the leases, um, but as we go, there's mistakes that you know happen along the way. A lot of them, I was, yeah, thinking about that. It was things to do with HVAC and actual operations in terms of restaurant requirements. You'd think that just because we don't have a lot of fryers and a lot of cooking, we have a ton of equipment, so there's there's a lot of operational needs that that happens in a Mandy's.
2: So your second lease was a little bit more involved than your first yes lease. <laughs> for
3: sure <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot more complex and just learning how to protect ourselves as well I think it's really important as a business owner that you you know you, you take those precautions
2: now when you were when you were getting into these stores it was four walls you had to build it out
3: yeah everyone we've with the design done from the build
2: out uh, yeah. was, that, was that you did where do you get your inspiration from
3: um I think that's that's something that's I'm very grateful for comes very natural to me I love doing all the design and the concept um, it's we get inspired through travel um, just through our own innovation It's just something that I love to do at home I've always loved doing my whole life and it's something that makes me tick and I'm, I'm so glad that I have an opportunity to do it in stores
2: as you added stores did the build out did the look ever change
3: um, each store is a little bit different, but people that have come in and commented on the, the feel and decor in there is always sort of the same. I guess it comes from me, so it's it's. there's always a little bit of it that feels like Mandy's in there, and that's important to us, too. We never wanted to build a cookie-cutter model that had no feeling and no soul, so we put a lot of energy into it. We take time to personally frame all of our family photos. Um, we go to you know lengths to pick every piece of upholstery on every piece of furniture and we get old pieces of wood and we work them ourselves and it's it's a labor of love.
2: Do you have outside consultants or people that you've kind of bounced ideas off of? I mean, you're not you're not constructing it yourself. You're not taking out the, the we, saw and doing it. Maybe part of it. No,
3: <laughs> no. We work with an amazing team now. We have a, a contractor that we always use, the same contractor, and we have people that help us with um, the kitchen requirements and um, kitchen plans. Um and yeah, the layout kind of has become more consistent, so we're getting used to you know how it should be built.
1: Rebecca Wolf is with us this evening from Mandy's. Uh, we'll take a break and in a little while, uh, talk about HR and marketing issues uh, and lots more. This is today's entrepreneur on CJ8800.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and F.L. Montreal's Josh Miller with you. Back for a ninth season of Today's Entrepreneur, Monday nights at 7 here on CJAD 800. And Josh, uh, we're pleased to welcome a, another great hot business here in Montreal, Mandy Salads. Five locations now. The latest on Crescent Street. Rebecca Wolf is joining us. Uh, she is Mandy's sister and business partner. And uh, Rebecca, t- tell us about um, how you get the word out for Mandy's. Is it mostly word of mouth, or do you do you buy advertising? What do you what do you do in terms of marketing? There was
2: no pun intended there. Word of mouth, right? For <laughs> oh. food and salad, very good, Dan.
3: Um, t- we've never paid for advertising. I think one of the strongest forms of advertising today um, is when somebody else speaks to your business. So word of mouth was extremely strong for us. We didn't even have signage outside for the first um, six or seven years of our business. Um, So it was purely word of mouth. And I think that's what really gave us the grounding force to build the brand that we have today. um, That it was a very powerful tool for us, for people to, to speak to each other about the business.
2: Before you got it to social media, was that really it? Was there anything that didn't work? You didn't start putting out flyers? You didn't start knocking on doors? No,
3: we really just relied on people coming in and telling their friends and family, and we would have people come in sometimes five days of the week to eat the same salad, and it became almost like a cult following. And then social media... You know, it was born however many years ago. We got on that bandwagon right away, and we're extremely grateful for that. I think it's a very wonderful era to live in um, in business today because you virtually have free advertising, and you can reach you know tens of thousands of people in the click of a button, and it's free. So we're very grateful for that, and also that other people can post for you. So we've created a, a product that's, I guess, people call it brandable. So people take a lot of photos of the salads themselves and the locations, and that's helped tremendously with spreading the
1: word. Uh, Almost 20,000 followers on Instagram, by the way. That's uh, that's a heck of a follow. <laughs> and, yeah, and
3: never likes for likes. And we've never we've never paid for any of that stuff on social media. So proud to say, yeah, that happens a lot with startups today. They get 10,000 followers you know a week after opening but it's it's all organic i promise
2: <laughs> the only uh, the only thing i'll challenge you on is I don't think it's free it's free from a hard cost dollar standpoint yeah but how much time and energy and effort have you rebecca wolf put into your social media
3: you're absolutely right i do spend a lot of time on it um for me it's a it's a creative outlet so it's one of the things that i love to do um i love coming into the restaurants or seeing a beautiful new dish that mandy will come up with and i love taking photographs of what we do so it's actually a labor of love and yes it's definitely you know there's money is time But um, time is money, but we love to do it. And yeah, we haven't had to pay for it.
2: Now, if you're, you're online and you have a lot of followers you also have to deal with their commentary, good oh, or yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so may, maybe, you know, have you ever had to deal with with some some kind of negative commentary? And, and yes, how do you deal with it?
3: We get constructive criticism, I'll call it that, um, all the time. And, we, you know, our clients come first. It's our it's extremely important to us that our customers leave happy and satisfied. So we have somebody that works um, just on that. So answering all of our um, info at Mandy's emails that come in all the time. That's answering all of our Facebook and Instagram messages messages to make sure that if there is anything wrong we can you know get back to them almost right away and make sure that everything's okay.
2: Do you respond to every single comment not you personally every but single every one. single one. Yes,
3: and if anybody's listening and they haven't been responded to <laughs> you can write us again but yeah, we we really try to do that. We we take pride in that.
2: We've been talking uh, you know last season there was a lot of talk about artificial intelligence and chatbots where you have a lot of companies that are having their their replies automated but a learning automation artificial intelligence that learns to reply
3: as it wow. goes along we're not there yet <laughs> no no
2: but but with with all the followers uh, I, I wonder if that's i mean technology for for you has been a great aspect
3: oh my god yeah it's been amazing
2: from 13 years ago till today uh, how has technology helped you
3: Um, technology with everything we're actually just talking in the room before we just developed an app which is unbelievable Um, people are able to order in advance and come pick up and they don't even have to wait in line to pay anymore so that's extremely helpful Uh, social media our website um, just you know the way that we use our POS system we use Kumi which is excellent Um, yeah it's, it's in every part of our business really
1: Rebecca Wolf joins us this evening from Mandy's. Uh, in terms of social media. any tips for entrepreneurs out there who maybe find that they're lacking or maybe doesn't don't have that personal feel for their uh, Instagram or Facebook account?
3: I think just go with your your intuition and do what feels right. there's there's so much out there that's trying to put you into a box and there's molds that you should be fulfilling in terms of visuals or content. but you know if, if it's your business, you probably you know you know what you, you know what resonates about it. so, Try to channel that and don't try to fit into somebody else's model of success.
2: It, you're definitely a, an inspiration to the kind, the salad places. But what about competition? I mean, there, you, know, you came into Montreal. You said there wasn't too much there. Now today, there's a lot more competition. You're keeping tabs on it. Do you adjust your product accordingly?
3: Um, we're definitely aware of it. We were pretty much by ourselves for the first 10 years of the business in terms of salad concept. And in the last two years, I would say there's a lot of competition that's sprung up all around us and it definitely, it's shaken us a little bit, but it's also been a reflection that what we're doing is the right thing and there's a demand for what we're doing. So... We're just going to keep on trucking and keep on moving ahead and and following what we feel is right and creating food that we want to eat and, you know, hope that people choose Mandy's.
2: And speaking of that, your menu, has it changed a lot since the beginning or has it changed recently with the competition?
3: We're always adding to it. We rarely take things away because they're usually favorites. Things that are on the menu are favorites, Um, but we're constantly adding to it. Mandy's always, you know innovative and she's always you know adding wonderful things to the menu we just you know we have now grain bowls and you can pretty much put anything you want into a salad it's not just lettuce there's a million different ingredients that go into it so we have protein bowls we have soups in the winter um, we have cold pressed juices and smoothies we're introducing uh, bulletproof coffee in the fall for anybody that's interested um, we're always trying Bullet to keep proof coffee yes <laughs> um it's, yeah, it's it's a combination of coffee mixed with you're putting fat into your coffee, so it keeps you sustained longer. and um, it's very good for you. <laughs> so yeah, we're 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 constantly trying to keep on trend and make sure that we're bringing the the best and healthy food to our clients.
2: Does that make it harder? I mean, with more locations and, a, and, a, and keep adding to the menu, Sourcing all your product, you're buying. You you must follow a certain plan, or you're relying on some software, or you know, to when to purchase. And is it a central purchasing aspect? Um, of this we point? have
3: two main suppliers that we work with in Montreal. We work with Dubord and Rainville, and with Hector Larive and they're both wonderful, and they pretty much can supply us with everything that we could possibly want. So um, we're very covered in terms of suppliers.
2: Now, there's one aspect we haven't touched on yet, and we we have a couple of minutes left in this interview. Human Resources, your team, you are how many people today?
3: Oh, we're around 250 employees.
2: That's a few people. Yeah. <laughs> how was the growth? Was it manageable? Was there a point where you said, we, we're not doing, we, we must grow or we must hire these certain aspects if we want to really get to the next level?
3: That was really the scariest part of the business growth for Mandy and I when we went to from about 30 employees to over 200 in a matter of a year and a half. And, you know, many people told us this is when you can make or break it. And this is the growing pains of a company that can actually ultimately, you know, kill you. So we spend a lot of time on making sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, We brought in this wonderful consultant um, when we were going through that transition that specialized in onboarding and retail um, expansion. And we focus a ton on training and on concentrating on our employees and making sure that they channel the customer experience that we would like. Um, At the very beginning, Mandy and I were in the stores all the time communicating with our customers every day. And it was very scary as we grew that we weren't going to actually be the ones that were, you know, servicing these people anymore. So uh, we're we're very um, focused on making sure that our staff you know, channels the values and the culture that Mandy and I do.
2: Culture, very, very important aspect. I'm glad you brought it up. Are you able to maintain your culture with 250 employees?
3: It's the hardest part. um, But as I said, we have wonderful um, learning and development programs. And, you know, we we try to teach and preach that culture every day. Our our staff is the most important part of our business. So if they're happy, our customer's happy.
2: And there's no doubt
1: that uh, recruitment is a challenge.
3: It's a huge challenge, yeah.
1: We'll talk about that next with our HR specialist, Christina Longo, all about recruiting. And stay tuned as well for Rebecca's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur that is on the way.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for uh, the premiere of our ninth season here on CJAD. Coming up, we'll uh, have Rebecca Wolf's one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneurs from Mandy's, of course. Uh, but for now, let's talk about recruiting with Christina Longo, HR specialist at FL. Welcome back, Christina.
4: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: So Josh, all about recruiting, finding that perfect person. In the case of Mandy's, uh, someone who fits the culture, fits the vibe. She only
2: had to find two hundred and fifty people. Really, no That's problem. Easy. You know, <laughs> piece of cake, or make a salad, or whatever. Yeah. But but even before you get there, I mean, recruiting is really. I mean, it's a long process. There there's so many things to think about from beginning even before you have that posting to bringing that 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 team member, that employee, that staff, whatever you choose mm-hmm. to call that person, into your place to train them. So maybe we'll kind of take that progression, Christina, and say, even before, you, you know you you know you need to hire somebody, you know you need to look for somebody, but even before you get there, is there, is there some things that entrepreneurs should consider, some challenges they need to, to kind of have in mind?
4: Well, that's a very good point. I think the first thing an employer needs to know is definitely know your culture, know your brand, know uh, what type of personality you want to hire know what sets you apart from others so i think it's important like as you said rebecca like you want to channel your culture as you were hiring your you know your employees for your growth so i think that's it's to set the tone the framework for how you're going to recruit how you're going to onboard how you're going to train your staff So definitely know your culture i would say that would be the number one thing
2: is that is that because you want to attract the right people you want to attract the run with the right characters so if you if you portray a certain image absolutely. that's the type of people absolutely. that you want absolutely absolutely because to... you
4: want to have that fit right with the culture the personality you could train someone on how to make salads for example or how to work in the kitchen but you can't it's hard to find someone who's going to be your ambassador you want that person to be an ambassador for your culture You're going to go out there outside of work and really speak on behalf of your of your company. So
2: even before they walk through the door, that image, that online image could help. So Absolutely. then what next? Now now you, you have your posting out there or you got to create a job post, right?
4: Absolutely. So like know the jo- what the job entails, what are the responsibilities, what are the tasks, what are the requirements, you need someone with a bachelor degree. Uh, I mean, those are all things that you should know. Speaking to the frontline managers, obviously, understanding the job and the requirements and then putting it all on paper and then posting it.
2: But getting but getting that description right because if you you can be vague in description because you can there's a lot of people probably that that appeal or that ad, answer ads that might not fit it perfectly but as long as you have the basics there it's correct
4: absolutely because the rest I mean as you're going through the process and you're posting and then you're gonna have you're gonna be screening applicants um, I mean you could always add to it and I mean it's it's okay if your posting is not hundred percent detailed because things could change as you find the right person you might adapt you're hiring or you're, you know, the person that you want, depending on who you find sometimes. So that's the reality I feel, and now things are shifting. Um, so sometimes you want to hire talent that maybe you wouldn't have, you know, uh, that you, you you happen to come across, which you wouldn't have thought of earlier.
1: Christina Longo, HR specialist from FL, is uh, with us. What is, what is more important, the culture fit or qualifications?
4: I would say the culture fit is number one. Because the culture is definitely... Someone who's going to know your values, uh, speak your values, resonate your values, and then that's going to transpire into their actions, into how they're going to perform on the job, and then you're going to want them to progress with the firm. So definitely uh, the culture.
2: I, I guess un- unless your you know your job is is welding an engine onto an aircraft, <laughs> you know maybe the skill set might be a little more important. But for most places, and we've heard this from many entrepreneurs over the years, Dan. For most of entrepreneurs, they look for Character fit and and, personality personality before skill set, because some stuff or most things can be trained. Uh, So, so that's important. So now you now you you know have that job posting. People come in. Now the interview, the interview is is an important aspect, and not everybody knows how to Mm -hmm. give a proper interview. What what comments would you give on, or maybe suggestions on Mm -hmm. an interview process?
4: Well, as you mentioned, also. Obviously, it depends on the type of position you're hiring for, right? Something technical, you are going to go through a more standard, detailed job interview guide. So know some questions in advance, know the technical requirements. But if you're looking for someone who's in marketing or more of a professional or in business development, you want someone who could think on their feet, right? Uh, so you might shift towards a more non-traditional type of interview and make it more of a conversation. So putting people in, giving them maybe case scenarios or behavioral type questions, Asking them, you know, what would they contribute to the company? What vision do they have? Maybe if you have a problem that you're dealing with, ask them to solve that problem on the spot. Uh, so definitely make it more of a conversation. And that's where now some of the trends in HR are moving towards. More of the informal type of interviews and less on the, you know, memorize, what are your weaknesses? Well, that's very easy to rehearse, right? Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? The, the stan- Everyone can the answer standard that. That's, that's super standard. So you want to take someone out of their comfort zone, And make it a conversation and make it unique.
2: And sometimes it's difficult for entrepreneurs to hold back some of the questions that maybe they shouldn't ask. (laughs) Yes. Can you give an example of some questions maybe you shouldn't ask? Well, anything that relates to
4: someone's, obviously, religious beliefs, uh, sexual orientation marital status, anything that could lead to anything discriminatory because...
2: Never ask them if they're pregnant if you see a little No,
4: bomb. no, unless they... I mean, no, 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 you cannot ask those questions. Big no-no.
2: Rebecca, have you had some... Do you do, have, did you used to do some of the interviews when, when no, recruiting? No, yeah, for
3: sure. We've learned a lot about the interview process. And and one of the biggest things we learned is that you really have to let the applicant speak for, I think, 80% of it. And you Absolutely. shouldn't be speaking very much. That was a huge lesson that we learned. We would come in and sort of be selling our, our business and wanting people to come work mm-hmm. for us. But... You're really supposed to be deriving as much information Absolutely. from them as you
4: can. I mean, a good opening uh, interview question we like to ask is, hey, tell us about yourself. Mm-hmm. Speak to us about who you yeah, are. Sure. Tell us about your experience. That's a great opening line. And then it gets the person comfortable and starts opening up.
2: Now, once you've, once you've gone through the process and you've, you've actually hired them, then you actually they have to walk through the front door.
4: Absolutely. So,
2: I I and, I and I'll just turn to Rebecca just for a second. Four years ago, when somebody walked through the front door, I'm sure it was... A little less formal than today.
3: Oh yeah, um, just very person like a very personable environment. And now we have a very strict um, onboarding program. So yeah, it's a little more formal, but it allows the the applicant or the new employee to get very comfortable before they actually get on the floor. So yeah,
4: I mean that's amazing because a lot of entrepreneurs I think the mistake that they make is that they leave it to be unstructured and they don't have something plan organized in advance. So that's a great tip actually that you give to entrepreneurs out there is knowing in advance what can the person expect on their first all the day. Tools that they yeah, need. what yeah. do they need to bring? Are they gonna have lunch with someone on their first day? Yeah. Will someone take them out? Something that uh, we would like to share as best practices actually giving them some insight before And they
3: get a written exactly. for, for Mandy's, they get like a written manual of exactly how the onboarding oh, is gonna great. go down so they know what to yeah, expect who there's, they're gonna meet
4: that day. I think that's super important.
2: There, there's so much that can be done right and there's so much that can be done wrong. <laughs>
4: yeah so it's yeah. Re- it's
2: really just planning it out properly. Thank you very much christina Thank and as you. we as we approach the last moment of our show and we'll continue some some great tips from from Rebecca Wolf, we'll turn to Rebecca now and and ask you what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur?
3: I would say patience uh, It took us a very, very long time to get where we are today, and um success doesn't happen overnight, and sometimes we live in this era of you know you want everything yesterday it was amazon prime and and people have a, a false perception of how fast um success happens so patience would be my number one piece of entrepreneur
2: excellent thank you rebecca and and dan for me it's you know we didn't talk much about the the relationship between rebecca and mandy but it was clear off air and and uh, and and in you know, pre-discussions that your relationship really also helps make Mandy's a, a really great place. So there's no question that partners,
1: togetherness, really does help. Rebecca Wolf of Mandy's, thanks so much for stopping by.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: And Christina Longo, HR specialist at FL. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. And Josh, we just got back, but we have to take next week off. We'll be back in two weeks, and uh, we're going to the box factory. Love pack, Dan. Next, uh, a week from Monday, 7 p.m. here on CJAD 800. Don't forget you can head over to flmontreal.com and listen to eight years worth of inspiring entrepreneur profiles in the community section, flmontreal.com, and we'll see you back here in two weeks. Good night.